Good morning. Welcome to Shepherd of the Lakes Lutheran Church for worship today. As we continue in this season of Epiphany, which began with the visit of the Magi and now continues up through Transfiguration Sunday, as Jesus slowly reveals his glory. And in our Gospel reading today, we'll see Jesus reveal his glory in calling disciples to follow him. We'll discuss that a little bit more closely in our sermon today. The opening hymn is laid out for you there, uh, actually noted for you there, number 85. And then the rest of the service will be in your service folder as printed for you there. God bless your worship.
you on page three in your service folder. Please rise. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear friends, let us approach God with a true heart and confess our sins, asking Him, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to forgive us. Lord of life, I confess that I am by nature dead in sin, for faithless worry and selfish pride, for thoughtless sin and sin I have willfully chosen. For the evil I have done, and the good I have failed to do, you should cast me away from your presence forever. O Lord, I am sorry for my sin. Forgive me for Jesus' sake. Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. In his great mercy, God made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in our sins. Hear the word of Christ through his called servant. I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the well-being of all people everywhere, that they may receive from you all they need to sustain body and life, hear our prayer, O Lord. Lord, Lord have mercy. For the spread of your life-giving gospel throughout the world, that all who are lost in sin may be brought to faith in you. Hear our prayer, O Christ. Christ, have mercy. For patience and perseverance in this life, that we may not lose the hope of heaven as we await your return. Hear our prayer, O Lord. Lord, have mercy. Lord of life, live in us, that we may live for you. Amen. Let us respond to God's grace in the song of the angels, Glory to God in the highest, as printed on the next page.
also with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, you sent your Son to proclaim your kingdom and to teach with authority. Anoint us with the power of your Spirit, that we too may bring good news to the afflicted, bind up the brokenhearted, and proclaim liberty to the captive. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated for the reading of God's Word. Our first reading comes from the Old Testament book of 1 Kings, chapter 19, beginning in verse 19. Through his gospel, God provides a joyful prophet. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. Elisha was doing the plowing with twelve teams of oxen in front of him, and he himself was driving the twelfth team. Elijah ran over to him and threw his cloak over him. Then Elisha left the oxen and ran after Elijah. He said, Let me kiss my father and my mother goodbye, then I will follow you. Then Elijah said, Go back, for what have I done to you? So Elisha turned back from following him. Then he took the team of oxen and slaughtered them. Using the equipment from the oxen as fuel, he cooked the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he got up, followed Elijah, and served him. This is the word of our God. Our psalm for today is printed on the next page, Psalm 37.
From Acts chapter 13, through his gospel, Christ provides committed Christians for service. Now in the church at Antioch, there were some prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who is called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them off. So they were sent out by the Holy Spirit and went down to Seleucia. From there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. They also had John as their assistant. Our theme verse is printed for you there. Alleluia. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching, preaching, and healing every disease. Alleluia. from Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 14. The message of forgiveness through Jesus means that joining Jesus is a joy. After John was put in prison, Jesus went to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. The time is fulfilled, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the gospel. As Jesus was going along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, since they were fishermen. Jesus said to them, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on a little farther, he saw James the son of Zebedee and his brother John. They were in a boat, mending their nets. Immediately Jesus called them. They left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Thanks be to God. I invite you to turn to page 18 in the very front portion of your red hymnal. And on page 18 you will find our Confession of Faith, the Nicene Creed. The Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became fully human. For our sake he was crucified and crucified. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the Scriptures. He ascended into heaven 
and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. You may be seated for our next hymn, number 91. fellow redeemed. We consider briefly our gospel reading from Mark chapter 1. 
What was the cost? What was the cost? You know, as you as you go through the store and you get to the checkout line and you double check, was that what I had thought it would cost? Or is the cash register displaying something a little bit more? Or a little bit less? What was the cost? As we consider how we spend our money in this world, the question of cost and value and quality and return on the investment is often one of the primary considerations. Sure, I might buy a new car, but will it cost more than I can afford? And will it last as long as I need it to? What is the cost? But what about our lives? They say that time is money, and if you flip that around, money is time. But I say, and I would propose, that we are far more cautious about the way that we budget and, and quantify our dollars, and far less aware of the way that we budget and think about our time. What was the cost? The cost of convenience is quickly forgotten. The cost of sitting at the traffic light or stuck in traffic had to be factored in when you were going to the big game, maybe the Vikings game this January. What is the cost of your time? But you put those together. You put those together, and the real question, the real question behind the question is what is the value? What is the value? And we'll look at that a little bit more closely as we consider the cost. And we talk about, talk about the way we spend our money, talk about the way we spend our time, but I would propose how much does it really cost for you to be a Christian? How much did it cost you to become a Christian in the first place? Well, you were baptized or you were brought to faith through the hearing of the word, and it was free. There was no, no dotted line you had to sign on. There was no good deed that you had to complete and finish. There was no commitment that you had to make. God made you a Christian. And you're baptized or you're brought to faith through the hearing of God's word and it's like God just handed you your, your golden ticket to heaven absolutely free of charge what is the cost but perhaps our mind ranges a little bit further abroad and we think of well in this country the cost isn't that great even though it costs me nothing to be a Christian to, to live as a Christian really doesn't cost me much of anything because there's no obligation that God has placed on me. And in this country, we have relative peace and freedom and security. But other countries, we might think, what is the cost of being a Christian there? You know, places where the presence of a Bible is outlawed, and where the cost of converting from Islam to Christianity could be your own head. What is the cost? But then we perhaps circle around back home because you were baptized. And then a little bit later when you were instructed a little bit more fully, you stood up here and you were confirmed in your Christian faith where, where we announced to the entire congregation that this person, this person has been instructed in the word of God. They are united in faith with us and they are free to join us at the Lord's Supper because they know how to examine themselves, right? What is the cost? 
And you stood up there and you promised. I promise to remain faithful to Jesus Christ, even if and especially when it brings on my head every sort of ridicule, bullying, threats of death, and those threats being carried out. I value Jesus more than my very life. What is the cost of being a Christian? What is the price? What is the value? And perhaps, you know, we move on. You've been a Christian. You were confirmed 20, 30, 40 years ago, maybe just a few weeks ago. And back at your mailbox, you probably got your statement from this last year. What is the cost? And you rip it open, you look at it. Oh, okay. That's money that I devoted to the Lord and I brought into his courts as an offering of thanks. But then, if you are in my shoes and living in this world, we all kind of share the same shoes seen that bottom line that the financial secretary printed out for us brings to mind the sinful nature speaking up. Wow. Could have used that to fill in the blank. Maybe a vacation, maybe pay off the car, maybe who knows. And what is the cost of being a Christian? Obviously, obviously the offerings that we bring aren't what makes us Christians, But there's a cost associated with being a Christian. And when we bring an offering to the Lord, it goes totally against what our sinful nature wants, and even even in some cases, what this world would consider to be good budgeting. Well, I have to at least hit, you know, that $500 mark for 2017 taxes, so I get the most return as as we try to measure out what is the cost, what is the value, what is the return that I will get. But above that, it's kind of a diminishing value of my offering, looking at it in a pragmatic sort of way. What is the cost of being a Christian? Now, obviously, obviously you know that none of these things that we do have made ourselves to be Christians or, or even made us continue to be Christians. But the question. Have we truly counted the cost of joining Jesus? Look at the way Mark starts this reading. We've got Peter and Andrew and James and John a little bit further on, preparing their nets and working at their fairly thriving small business there at the Sea of Galilee. Zebedee has has a number of employees working for him, so it's not a small operation. And Jesus comes along, and he says, come follow me. And they leave behind their nets, and they leave it all behind, and they say, oh, Jesus is worth it. Yeah, I understand. I understand completely all that Jesus will ask of me in my life. Or not. They followed him. But did you catch the way that Mark started it? After John was put in prison... John the Baptist. The one that Peter and Andrew and James and John had been disciples of previously. The one who had come preaching in the the desert of Judea. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. John was put in prison for his confession of faith. He spoke up against King Herod and he said, You know what, King Herod? The way you're living your life and, 
And, well, don't have to get all the gory details now, but he just spoke up, and Herod put him in prison. But Herod was afraid, so he let John languish there in prison instead of killing him. Do you think Peter and Andrew and James and John had counted the cost of being a disciple of John? Or when the one whom John had pointed to and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, do you think they counted the cost of following that Jesus? Do you think they, they understood that Jesus wasn't coming to set up a kingdom like King David's kingdom, but rather to wear a crown of thorns and to go to a cross and to say to his followers, If anyone would come after me, he must daily deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. What cost? And have we considered that? And you know, at this point in your life, perhaps you have. Perhaps you've you've drawn scorn or ridicule. Perhaps you realize and you understand what it means to to hold on to a job and have to have to kind of settle in your own mind what you can and cannot say and what you should say and how you say it and when you say it. Perhaps you've raised children and you know the the effort that it takes to instruct them in the Word of God. Or perhaps, at this point in your life, you think to yourself, well, yeah, I've counted the cost and and I know what I get from Jesus. It's worth it. But there's a temptation lurking even in that. The temptation that says, since I know the cost, then then I need to see the Jesus that I really have invested in. The Jesus who makes me a little uncomfortable, well, let's tone that down a little bit. And the type of music that I prefer, let's amp that up a little bit. And you get into all sorts of questions of, have we counted the cost to the point of following Jesus alone? Or has the subtle consumerism of our nation kind of crept in and said, well, if I'm going to devote my life to Christ, or if I'm going to devote fill-in-the-blank XYZ to following Jesus and my time and my effort, what's in it for me? Kind of an uncomfortable thought. Because the sinful nature is like this little accountant that wants to wants to mark down everything that I put in and make sure that I get the absolute best return on everything that I invest in my God. With the lurking temptation and the lurking threat that if I don't, if I don't, then perhaps it's not worth the time, the commitment, the value, and I'll just tone it down a little bit. Because after all, Christianity is free, correct? It is. But sinful nature loves to take the promises of God and throw them back in God's face and say, well, you look what you've done here. You promise all these wonderful things, and surely, surely, Surely we can simply sit back and relax, and we don't have to really think about the cost, and there's a lot of cost to Christianity that we can actually avoid. If I, if I don't make it known that I'm a Christian, then what cross would I have to really bear? 
what sort of ridicule would I pull down on myself? What sort of bullying would I experience if I just keep it a little bit more to myself and a little bit less obvious? Peter and Andrew, James and John. Where did they end up? Well, we'll get to that in just a minute. But where did they start? They started with a commitment to Christ. But the hero of this story and the hero of this episode is not Peter and Andrew, James and John, because then you realize I would be sending you home to say, well, just be like Peter, Andrew, James and John, and then your Christianity will be wonderful and it will be set and life will be so much easier once you turn up the commitment and will be so much more successful. No. Why did they follow Jesus? In the face of John being put in prison, in the face of Christians on the other side of the world being persecuted for their faith, in the face of a household budget that could make use of those funds elsewhere, and in the face of a society that makes it very much more unpopular to be a Christian, and even even calls down on you the sort of names and bullying that... Well, Christians have always drawn on themselves. Why? The answer itself is in person himself. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Because the answer isn't to say, well, let's turn up the heat on the commitment so that we commit ourselves ever more fully and recommit ourselves and re-re-recommit ourselves, you know, three months down the line. The answer, of course is to see the Jesus that they saw. The answer isn't to say, well, I'll make Jesus the top priority on my list. Let's be serious there. The Son of God isn't one priority among many, even if he's the top. He's the one who has won you from sin and death and the devil himself. The one who strode through the gates of hell and burst them open with his triumphant resurrection from the dead the one to whom, to whom John the Baptist pointed and said, Look, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, not, not some teacher, not some good moral advisor, not some life coach, but the Lamb of God who takes away your sin, the Lamb of God who has promised for you an eternity in the place where streets are paved with gold. The Lamb of God who has promised for you a place at the throne of God, even if, even if you lose your life for his sake here. Jesus promised that. If anyone loses his life for my sake, well, don't worry. And so, where are we now? We need to see this Jesus as he reveals himself in his word. Because, because the last little hitch or the last little stumbling point that we might think about and worry about is, you know, once we've taken our eyes off of my own, my own thoughts and calculations about how I might get a return on my investment of time or talent or, or money. Once we've taken our eyes off of ourselves and we see Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who lived and died for you, the only 
final stumbling block would be, well, I'm glad that worked out for Peter, James, and John, but Jesus isn't standing here and saying, come follow me. Well, he most certainly is. That's what we sang about in you know, page, what would that be? page five of our service folder. Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Hallelujah. That Jesus makes himself present in the exact same way, just not visibly. That Jesus stands and comes and shepherds his flock in the exact same way through his word and through his speaking. In the exact same way today that he did then, just that we're living after he ascended into heaven so that he would be present and active everywhere through his word. And that he would come to you through his sacrament, exactly as he promised that Monday Thursday, and exactly as he distributed to his disciples that Monday Thursday. Bread and body, blood and wine, together, so that you would know. So that you would know every single cost is worth it. You might think of it this way. And I'll relate this as best I can from the way it was relayed to me. If you go down to about, I don't know, 10th Street, maybe Winnebago Avenue, maybe that's it. And you go up Prairie and you hang a right over toward Beantown, whatever that road is. And you pass this place on the left that's currently called the, the Fairmont Butcher Block, right? They've got delicious bacon, among other things, and you should really check it out. But it used to be the Olson Meat Locker, founded in about 1913, give or take, and built up into a thriving business as, as the, the name in town. Maybe I even got the name wrong there, I apologize. But it was this well-known, well-known butcher shop, meat locker, where you would go to get all of your food, all of your, your best cuts of meat. And that first generation ran it and built the business. And the second generation that they handed it down to mostly ran it. But by the third generation, by the third generation, the family somehow had forgotten that you know, cleanliness and cleaning up the shop at the end of the day is vital to the operation of a facility like that. And eventually, it closed. After it had been a Fairmont landmark for a hundred years. And where and what would that have to do with us? Well, Christianity is given to you freely. But when Jesus says, come follow me, what he wants is for you to join him with total commitment. He's not, he's not asking you to be such a, a vocal advocate that you would forsake your job, your livelihood, your house. But he is asking you to be willing to do so. And he is telling you that every calculation of, of your input and the return on your investment has been washed away and set aside in the blood of the Lamb. And that everything you might sacrifice in joining Jesus, every cost that you might pay for the sake of carrying the name of Christ and his cross on your head, all of it will be absolutely worth it. And how and why does he say that? 
How can we get that from Mark chapter 1? Well, simple. It's not a question of how much that I put in, or what effort I expound, or it's not a question of how much I get in return, or even what sort of worldly success we will see in worldly adoration. The question is, who are we following? Who is it that we are following? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who has no beginning and no end, who joined our humanity and lived and died and went through every element of Christian life. Yes, even the, the pre-teen and teenage years, Jesus was there. And right now, he who has risen from the dead rules with all things under his feet. And he chose you. And he bought you. And he made you his own. He says, dear Christian, don't worry about counting the cost. Because joining Jesus and staying close to him will always, forever, be worth it. Amen. Please rise. And now may the peace of God that goes beyond all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. You may be seated as we worship the Lord with our offering. Preserve us from everything that would provide an occasion for falling into sin. Teach us to live day by day in humble dependence on your promises, in cheerful obedience to your law, and in sure and certain hope of the resurrection. Strengthen us inwardly with power through your word and your spirit, 
that we may abound in love, humility, patience, and prayer until we receive the crown of eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who also taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I direct your attention to page 7 in your worship folder. This is a little new, I will admit. Our communion liturgy today will be sung as one continuous responsive hymn without pauses or breaks. The tune is from hymn number 78 or 279. The organist will play a verse of introduction, and you see it listed for you on the next page.
continue on page 9 in your service folder with the Song of Simeon. Please rise.
morning once again. Special welcome to the guests worshiping with us today. Uh, the announcements listed for you there are only three, and um, here we've got our congregational update. Next week we've got our Mission Sunday. Uh, Pastor Joel Gertner with Jesus Cares Ministry will be here and uh, lead a little bit different style worship service for us. Um, and of course, then there will be a presentation during about class hour and outline after that. Um, that's pretty much all we've got. If you wanted to come forward, I'll grab that okay. All right. Good morning, everyone. We have our uh, voters meeting in a couple of weeks, and so we try and do a congregational update. Um, as pastors sermon alluded to today often we ask ourselves uh, you know what is the cost you know what's in it for me um, a few weeks ago I attended a uh, secular uh, speaking here it was Joe Schmidt from Channel 5 many of you have heard Joe Schmidt um, he's the uh, sportscaster and does a great job and he had a he had a good uh, motivational speech for our young people in the community. but uh, And he was studying people and how they can make an impact in other people's lives. Um, it, was, it was very good. And um, there's people that, that do things um, for this, not looking for recognition, um, just doing the right thing. But yet there's something missing. In us as Christians, we kind of, we kind of know that um, our motivation is there because you know, Christ has sent His Son to uh, live the perfect life that we could not. He died on the cross for our sins, and then He rose again. And so we have that perfect motivation to... Uh, to praise Him with our time, with our gifts. And, uh, you know, what a wonderful thing. I see that in our congregation on a daily, weekly basis. You know, people, um, whether it's teaching our young people, whether it's, um, you know, uh, scooping the sidewalk, whether it's the people cleaning the church so we have a nice place to worship. I see it all the time, and I... Continue to encourage you to do that for the glory of our Lord. As we uh, go into uh, the numbers for John, John Dulmeyer has prepared our uh, budget for 2018. There are copies of it in the back, and you can review that at your leisure. Um, we ended off the year. About $19,000 shy of $500,000 in our bank accounts. Um, bank accounts, uh, you know, many of those monies are dedicated for the uh, living beside quiet waters, our building project, that type of thing. But uh, we, we did very close to budget. And for next year's 2018 budget that we're in, the proposed budget is within $2,000 of last year's budget. And, and uh, yeah, as Pastor mentioned, it's $2,000 less than last year's budget. Um, 
That is a budget that gives the same amount we did last year to Synod for our mission. Uh, but uh, we've, we've kind of had some significant increases in the past years to try to get ahead of uh, health care and things like that. And so uh, it's encouraging to have a, a budget put forward in front of you that, uh, you know, is not a huge increase. And, and uh, this year, if, if things go to plan, we'll be a couple thousand shy of that. But again, I thank you for, uh, for everything that you do for your fellow members and, uh, and for the Lord. Um, if you do have any questions, uh, now is the time. And uh, Pastor probably has a few comments as well. Um, thank you, Roman. Um, Roman has been our congregational chairman now for, I guess, the last two years. I think it's a three-year term, if I remember correctly. And uh, he's, he's done a fantastic job with, you know, common study leadership in that regard. Um, and speaking in front of people is always always difficult. It doesn't get easier, I'll tell you that. Um, and the two things that I would like to add, our nomination committee has done a very good job talking with um, the gentleman in this congregation about serving on our church council. And uh, we'll, have, we'll have that list coming out in the next week or so. Um, but we're looking to have a, uh, a full council. Um, and also on the ministry side, we'll be tweaking a little bit of the ways that you know, we um, carry out our ministry and communicate that, um, you know, to make sure that our elders are, are reaching out to our own congregation members effectively and that we've got our um, other ministry prepared over the course of the year. And I think um, the kind of wrapping it up, I realized during the closing hymn that I think I left that, that uh, meat locker analogy kind of just floating out there. The point is, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't finish it. The point is that the generations that ran that forgot what they had. And motivated by money, they, they saw that there was enough there. We Christians have been committed and given far more of a blessing than a business in Fairmont. And the encouragement today and always is to remember what you've got and to work together congregationally to bring others into that close commitment of joining Jesus. Got that off my chest. Thanks so much. Um, we'll have a little bit more discussion about our congregation here at the beginning of Bible class. Feel free to stick around for that, um, especially if you have any questions about where we're going, mission, ministry, um, or if any, you know, anything from the budget sheet just kind of jump out at you today. Um, but we can take more questions at any time. God bless you.